Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 260 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today we're going to talk about UFC 93. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC Paris. And a little later, we're going to dive into some headlines. And we're going to speak a little bit about hyping a fight. And just how far is too far? But first, let's throw it over to Victor and find out how his week has been. You know what? My week was starting a little weird, a little bad. I mean, it's always weird, right? But it wasn't. It didn't start off on the greatest of tones. But you know what? It's getting a lot better. <laughs> Not uh, can't really complain too much about that. So uh, it's all gravy, and I'm back here doing what I love most: chatting this, 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 all this fight stuff, and chopping it up with you. All righty. So I want to rewind a little bit because. We haven't had an opportunity to talk about bites for two weeks because last week we were off. We had a double feature from the Hey Not The Face show. So we wanted to make sure we got those good details from the antitrust suit in. But we haven't really gotten a chance to talk fights. So we didn't get to break down UFC Paris going in. So I wanted to make sure that we started off with UFC Paris coming out the other side. Now on paper, this was an awful card. It really was outside of, uh, the top two fights that there really weren't any compelling fights. Now we got in practice, we got a great card because I mean, there were some killer fights on it and let me just say, Morgan Charrier, or however you say his name, I think I said it right. You did. That dude is something special. I know it took him a long time to get there, but man, that what an introduction. Woo, wow, that was something else. Um, Cyril Gaon looked amazing. He just coasted right straight to victory. And I guess we should start there because what the heck happened to Sergey Spivak? He was on a three-fight win streak. He has performed in front of multiple thousands. I don't know. It looked to me like he didn't know which end was up. I mean, that was the most plotting awful performance from him i think we've ever seen you know i i i've suspected here that we see this happen every once in a while we see a guy that looks like a million bucks he does everything right and then the moment that he gets caught with a couple of stiff jabs he doesn't know how to deal with it and i don't know if that's part of what happened here i don't know if there was i don't think it was so much the power i think it was just a matter of the uh 
what do you call it? I, I guess it was just a matter of, of the, the timing and being stifled at the fact that this guy was not going to give him that space that he wanted or, you know, just sort of accommodate what would help him in this particular fight. They sort of, the, the, he loves, he's good at making sure he can dive in, land a few shots, and then kind of, you know, try to wrap himself around somebody and, and start making things work from there. And Cyril wasn't going to let him have that. And that was it. And that seems to have been the thing to derail him. It seems like it, it was just the perfect uh, set of circumstances for Cyril to be able to just deter anything this Spivak was going to be uh, able, you know, the, 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 the warm-up process for him to get his game on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then for, for uh, Gone, you have to wonder where he's at because Spivak looks so terrible. It's kind of a hard barometer there to gauge where Gone is at post-John Jones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing, right? John Jones, congratulations, you're the heavyweight champion. But you didn't look good, and Gone looked terrible. Now gone, congratulations, you got your rebound win. You didn't look that great. And the other guy did not look good either. So where are we? It's like they're passing on the curse from the ring, you know? Now, now Spivak's going to go out there and beat the snot out of somebody who's fighting uh, in a way that looks a little more deflated. I don't know. It ain't right. I thought Gone looked really good. I I thought that was a virtuoso performance, but against who? Against a guy that, you know, on paper going in was the real deal. And from what we've seen in the past, he's the real deal. Whoever was in his skin suit in that fight, it was not the Sergei Spivak that we've been witnessing for the past three fights. And before that, you know, he had the one loss and and then, you know, a spate of fights before that. And then uh, he's only had, this was his fourth loss. But he looked absolutely stark difference from what he was before. I mean, just, it was amazing to see how, how devolved he looked in there. Gone looked phenomenal, in my opinion. I mean, he did all the right things. He got yeah. him out of there. Um, but look at how bad Spivak looked, and, and you really don't know how to gauge where Gone is at right now. And that's that's my problem is, you know, sure, you look phenomenal, but Spivak looked phenomenally terrible. Right. It takes, it takes away from the performance of the winner in a way. Yeah, it sure does. And so now I, I don't know who to pair him up against. I mean, do, right. you, do you put him against a, um, gosh, I don't even know. I mean, I would say, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, the guy that's the backup for, for, uh, Jones and Stipe. Uh, Pavlovich? Yes. So, um, yeah. I mean, he's Pavlovich. already on the doorstep, though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure if he's if they're really committed to him having next. And that's the thing with Gon. I mean, Gon, he can't fight John Jones again now. You know, like the, it was a it was a fine performance, but it wasn't blowing the doors off anything to the point where you would ignore how bad he shit the bed against Jones. You well, know, you and it's of... it's it's a. No, you go first, and then I'll, I'll I'll give you my introduction of why you could, because you got to protect John Jones. I I guess you could. I, I I don't really think that that's something that they're willing to do, and I don't think that's something that Pavlovich 
would even agree to at this point, because again, like he's already there with I got next, you know, uh, barring something extraordinary that would demand an immediate rematch between uh, Stipe and Jones, regardless of the outcome. I don't know how that even happens. I don't know how you ask the guy to take a step back. Like, you know, we, we could give you the title shot. We did offer you, in essence, the title shot and had you as a backup. However, like, I don't know how you smooth that over. Yeah, but the UFC is really good at that. Yeah, well, maybe. If they can find a way, then, you know, sure, I guess they could do that. But again, Gon still has to do a lot more to impress to get back into the title picture. I would think so, but considering that Spivak was doing so well going into this fight, they might consider that enough to, uh, I don't think that, I don't know. I have this weird feeling that we might get a rematch between Gone and Jones before we ever see Jones and, and Pavlovich. I just think that they're not going to let that one happen or John Jones isn't going to let it happen. Yeah, as you've mentioned before, right? You, yeah. you, you're not too, uh, you're not, you don't have too much faith in him sticking around by this time next year. I don't. Well, I he might if carefully matched. I right. just think that for Jones, legacy matters. I mean, he loves the fact that he's only got one official defeat on his record, and he wishes that could be erased too. And then Dana White out there a few years back blowing smoke up everybody's ass saying that they were petitioning to have it overturned when they never, ever filed the paperwork. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's kind of God. funny in and of itself, but let's move on from Cyril gone versus Sergei Spivak. And let's look at Manon Fior defeating Rose Namajunas. Now I think that was a solid defeat. I did not agree with the 30, 27 score that one of the judges gave. I had a 29, 28 for Fior. I thought Rose definitively won that last round. I can see the case for that. In fact, yeah, you know, I'd probably agree with that. Rose did a lot. She she really picked it up late. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, it, 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 I wouldn't even see, I, I'm really, I was very confused because of the tone of the fight. Like, I didn't see this live as it happened, as you know. I saw it the next morning and I'm seeing on Twitter, which surprisingly enough, right, I'm, it's, it's easier some days to avoid a lot of spoilers. And I'm just seeing somebody had mentioned that like, oh, she's on the downside. She didn't look too good. She didn't, the, the, the line I think was, she didn't look like she wanted to fight. And I'm like, wow, she must have gone out sad. And then I'm watching the fight. I'm like, all right, first round, I can see Manon doing a lot better. But then Rose started really getting better reads, and she starts landing shots, and she starts moving better. And by the second round, she had made a very good turnaround, not enough to salvage that round, but good. Mm-hmm. She loses the last, you know, she loses the, the the entirety of the fight because of the decision, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving her the last round. She did a lot. She landed enough shots. Um, it was close, but I don't think there's anything controversial about saying that Rose won that last round. I think um, she definitely did. And further, were this a five-round fight, we could have seen a split or we could have even seen it go Rose's way. Rose right. is a slow starter. She always uses that first round for reads. She looked greatly undersized in there, but she can still crack. My goodness, she's got a lot of zip on those punches. She can take it, too. Mm -hmm. Manon looked great. 
There is no two ways about it. I mean, that was a phenomenal performance against a top-tier gal. But, again, had that fight gone five rounds, I don't know that uh, she would have won. Or, at the very least, it could have been a draw or a split. And her saying that she doesn't feel that Rose is built for flyweight. Ma'am, Rose fought you with a broken hand from the first round. And she was still popping your ass all over the place. So maybe um, give her a little benefit of the doubt there. Because remember, that pinky... Man, the pain from that must have been intense. Yeah, she had a whole, like a whole, uh, uh, what do you call it? a whole blow pop sized mm-hmm. in her knuckle. Mm. That's insane. That's that thing just dislodged. That was terrible. I'm curious to see what happens next because Blanchfield is ranked at number two. Farrow is ranked at number three. Mm. Um, not sure how that's going to change when the uh, rankings get refreshed, but those two against each other while Shevchenko fights uh, Alexa for the uh, championship in a rematch. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that's the move, right? Keep everything fresh and moving, keep everybody active. Maybe that might be what, what's necessary, especially since uh, Blanchfield fought not long ago, right? Just what is the week prior. It makes sense. Yeah, I love that fight. I love the idea of it. And, you know, you've got Blanchfield with the great wrestling, but, you know, her last fight, there, there were definitely some holes in the game that could be exploited. Same with Fior, you know, Fior, if you're willing to stand in the pocket and trade, you can get her. Uh, I think that Rose wasn't able to capitalize on takedowns as much because of the size differential there. But, excuse me, I think Aaron Blanchfield will not have any issues in that regard. I would say that it's a 50-50 split down the middle. If those two fought 10 times... Uh, Fior and Blanchfield, I would give them a 50-50 split on the wins. How about you? I think it depends on how things go in the cardio department and how well Fioro can uh, shore up her, her wrestling defense and her submission defense because Blanchfield doesn't need to go for a submission to put you in all kinds of trouble. Yeah. I mean, she, she will get you down and eventually do a lot of damage with her strikes, you know, just use a lot of that control and wear you down and wear you down. That's where the cardio comes in, right? Are you able to spring back up and get things where you need them to be standing? Um, are you able to survive those waves as they come? I don't know, man. She can drag people into some really deep water real quick. So uh, you got to get them down there first, though. And I'm not sure if maybe, maybe Manon has been uh, doing enough uh, training to prepare for someone who can grapple the way that Aaron does and maybe uh, counteract some of that. I'd like to see it, though. And it seems like it's something we might get because I don't actually remember when. Alexa is scheduled to fight Valentina, but it's not too far from now. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, or Benoit Saint-Denis, excuse me, defeating Tiago Moises. What a fight. That was so good. Really enjoyed that. Um, and it was it was a fresh knockout, too. So I, I enjoyed that fight a lot. You know what? Tiago Moises is a tough son of a gun. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was not going gently. He he had to be forcibly removed. And, you know, Benoit did the damn thing. Benoit's kicks are something to see, too. Yeah. 
So, uh, Volkan Ozdemir got it done against Bogdan Guskov. And, you know, I picked Volkan, but I'm always surprised when he wins because he has made some gargantuan mistakes in there. But boy, he, when he's on, he's on. And he was definitely on here. He did. He made that happen. I lost so much faith in him mm, that me I was too. like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to go for the other guy because this guy, he's a gicked. You know what I'm saying? It's just what it is. I, I didn't I didn't trust him when he was coming in. Uh, you know, he went the no time moniker. Yeah, he got a couple of fast finishes, but I don't know what that tells me. It does that give me a complete picture of you as a fighter. And when you start seeing him in fights that go longer than one round, you start seeing how his game can be dismantled. That's it. That's where you're like, OK, now I have an idea. This is a guy that I genuinely cannot trust. Yeah. Going for this, you know, smart money should have been on Volkan, but. At the same time, man, like when you got somebody that flaky, come on. That's, but good for him. He got the win. You know, Bogdan doesn't take too much. It doesn't take much shine off of him because, you know, you lost to a veteran who is now uh, looking resurgent and had a turned in a really good performance. And uh, let's see here. Down at the bottom, Farid Basharat defeating Clitson Rodriguez or Rodriguez. <laughs> got that sub, you know. Um <laughs> The Basharat brothers, they're something else, aren't they? That arm <laughs> triangle was nice. I fucking love those guys, man. Ever since they, when I saw they were going on contender series, I'm like, wait, I know these guys. I've seen their names. And I go back, I'm like, oh, I remember these guys. And I'm telling you, man, these motherfuckers are a lot of fun. They are not just that, but they, they, they fight smart. You know, Clayton came in trying to rely more on his athleticism and his explosiveness and Farid had that patience and he just had that accuracy. He nailed his his takedown game didn't look too good, but he manages to pass guard. He manages to get control. And that was all he needed. Right. He's got a really clunky submission game. I mean, it always looks like he like Frankenstein's his way into things. Yeah, he's he's cobbling some weird stuff together. It's not fluid <laughs> all the time. At all. <laughs> right. But but here's the thing. Once he gets you down, it's like all the pressure you can immediately see off of him. Rather, it's like, all right, I got him down. Now I can just start doing things that where I'm a lot smoother. He's a lot more efficient when it comes to moving from, you know, side control to mount and all that. So it, it's it seems like the big hurdle for him mentally is just getting the fight to where he needs it to be. But once he's there, it's like, all right. Now, you know, back to basics. It's like riding a bike. Exactly. So from there, from UFC Paris, we're going to go across the globe. And we're going to go to the Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney, Australia. For UFC 293, Israel Adesanya taking on Sean Strickland. Fairly decent card. I mean, I, I chose six fights for us to break down because the main card is good. We'll, we'll say the main card is um, entertaining. There's a lot of entertainment value there. Yes. And our featured prelim is just all sorts of entertaining. The, the one right under it, Jack Jenkins versus Chip and Mariscal. Uh, Jack, mm. that, that's going to be a good fight. Um I don't really care a whole heck of a lot about Malarkey versus Macdessi. Um, Hack Parast has been so hit or miss that I'm not even really concerned about him. Blood Diamond, you know, shit the bed in his first fight. So, you know, I'm assuming that they probably have him 
adequately matched so that he can get a soft win. But uh, we have a fairly decent card here from the looks of it. At, at the very least, we have a fairly entertaining card. So we are looking at the uh, topology quick sheet here. And we're going to start with the feature prelim. Carlos Ulberg taking on Daun Young. Victor, how are you going? You know what? I really want to see Ulberg do something spectacular again. And the problem is that I'm looking at Young. Is a, he's just one of those dudes that's like crazy tough. Mm-hmm. But then lately he hasn't been doing too great. You know, he got he got rinsed by Dustin Jacoby. Um back in July of last year, and then he lost a decision to Devin Clark. I don't think he's quite ready for this. I, I think this is uh, very favorable for Olberg, unless Olberg decides to forget his uh, how to outwork a guy in the clinch, mm-hmm. which is where I think Young is going to have a, a much more success if that's uh, where it needs to be. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Olberg. I am also going with Olberg, as is Mookie. I just think that he has that those fast twitch fibers work a little better for him. Man, he is explosive as all get out. And I hate using that tired cliche, but it's true. <laughs> you know, when, when you've got a guy like that who's super fast and super powerful, I mean, what else are you going to say? Well, sometimes that's all it comes down to, you know, so don't feel bad for that. Yeah. You know, I know I, I look, I get tired of that cliche myself, but. Truth is truth, man. Some guys are more more dynamic with their athleticism, and they use it to great effect. And other guys, you know, like what Zane says, that the guy that's too athletic uh, because they let their body go crazy and they don't stop and slow down to measure the risk, and then they end up getting fucked up. That's not what's going on here. This is this is a different thing. This is a guy whose greatest asset is being a phenomenal athlete in a really bad division. So, hey, <laughs> you take what you got. All righty. Next up, Anton Turkaj taking on Tyson Pedro. Now, Turkaj, I believe he lost his last fight, uh, and so did Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro lost to Modestus Bukalkas. He lost a unanimous decision. He had beaten Harry Hornsucker and Ike Villanueva before that. And then Anton Turkaj, um, wow, he's lost two back. And wow, he lost both of his. He bought, lost to Vitor Petrino and to Jailton Almeida. Ugh. This is a really ugly fight uh, on paper, but I just know they're going to swing and bang, you know? <laughs> I'm taking Tyson Pedro, but I'm not real confident because, you know, anything goes here and they're not top tier, top echelon or anything like that, but it should make for a fun fight. I'm just throwing a dart here. See, when it comes to fighting guys that have a more complete game, Pedro doesn't do too great. Like if he beat Khalil Roundtree back in 2016, it's not the same Khalil that we see now, right? He, he ended up, uh, yeah, he beat, you know, Harry Hunsucker, who sounds like, I'm, I swear to God, it's not a fake. That's a real person. That's not a Woody Woodpecker character. Uh, Ike Villanueva, who's not, I don't even know if he's in the UFC anymore. You know, when you look at losses against Latifi, Ovin St. Peru, Shogun Hua in 2018, and then Mudflaps Bukaki. Now, look, <laughs> there's only, you know, like, I, I, these are guys that even if they're not world beaters, right, even if they weren't at that stage when they fought them, 
they're pretty good. You know, there's there's a baseline. And I think we kind of see that defines a particular form of ceiling. And I don't like that for him. But then you look at Tokaj, who, yeah, he did great. He impressed in his contender series debut, right? But, I mean, yeah, what did that lead to? And he ended up fighting two of the hardest hitters in the division in Jailton and, and Petrino. Like, shit, that's really, is that really bad luck? Or is that, in fact, an early sign of what his, uh, what his limitations are? And shit, it might be. So is Tyson Pedro the kind of guy that would be able to put him in that kind of trouble? Maybe because he's a guy that can come forward, hit heavy. Um, you know, he doesn't play too much in the submission department, but he can do some damage in the clinch, press against the cage. His cardio isn't super awesome, but maybe it's enough to do it here. And I feel bad because, I mean, Anton's got such an amazing nickname, The Pleasure Man. I wish that was my nickname. Why can't I be The Pleasure Man? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Pleasure Man 2. I'll take it. It's fine. It'll be like Gallagher and Gallagher 2 on the road. You know what I mean? We can make it happen. <laughs> so you are taking Tyson Pedro, though, right? I have to, yes. Yeah. All right. Next up, we get the rematch. Justin Taffa and Austin Lane. Uh, if we go back in our memory palaces to June of this year. Was it this year or was it last year? This year. Yeah, it was this year. They Their fight ended uh, at 29 seconds off an eye poke. It went to a no contest. So we get the rematch here. I'm taking Tafa. Uh, you know, they, they, they're both... They're not the greatest. They're not the worst. They're right dead in the middle, which is probably why they're on this card. I mean, Austin Lane is on this card probably... Um, as a uh, a soft win for Justin Taffa, maybe I don't know. I just, yeah, whatever, Taffa. <laughs> you know what's funny? A funny fact about the Taffa brothers—they both beat Parker Porter this year. Yeah, both of in one year they both get man. Didn't the, didn't the Diaz brothers have an an, an uh, they had an opponent in common at one point? I don't know, but they didn't. It didn't happen this sad in the span of one year like this. <laughs> Um, Austin Lane, very dynamic athlete. Unfortunately, not the most well put together game. I, I have a particular problem with NFL guys coming into MMA Mm. and people going, Oh, that's it. It's going to be it. This is going to be over. NFL athletes are the greatest. It's like, yeah, you need a little more than that, man. And Tafa got that edge, bro. That dude fights like he's hungry. And that's just, I don't think that that first fight was going to be good. I don't think this is going to be particularly entertaining, but I would have to favor Tafa because some guys just have more tricks up their sleeves. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And I think that Lane, unfortunately, has that deficit in terms of um, Everything. In terms of experience, despite having a, 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 a more fights on his record. You know, some guys have been training for longer. Some guys have been training at a different level with different guys. And that that's going to make a difference here. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is we often know how people get records that fast when they're, you know, ex pro footballers. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking through here and Jesus Christ, I don't recognize any of these names with the exception of Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy. (laughs) Juan Adams. I know who Juan Adams is. 
Frank Tate, the other former. Oh yeah, fighter. Frank Tate, that that guy too. But yeah, you look that's it. Them, yeah, but you, all these fights, you notice, they're all in the southeast, which is notoriously terrible at producing high level quality opposition. And that's not a knock on the region, you know. Not I'm not I'm not saying this to shit on any fighters or any gyms. Just I, the ecosystem is not great. And you're going to end up having a lot of guys fighting Bobos. Look at Greg Hardy coming into the UFC. He fought a bunch of, like, oh, my God, man. It's just, this This is this is the thing. And it's not even Lane's fault. You live where you live. You train where you train. That's just life. And sometimes, you know, that, that ends up setting you up for disaster. Yeah, he's got 15 fights in six years. So he, he's active. He's very active. That's good. Um, but, but again, getting... a lot of it came right at the beginning of his career. He was fighting nonstop. They were just lining them up for him. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to see guys getting cage time and all that. But I mean, if it ain't quality cage time, what are we really fucking doing out here? How's this any different from having smokers? You know? Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's go back to the card again and get to the third fight from the top. Manel Cop is taking on Felipe Dos Santos, seven and zero, taking on eighteen and six. Mm. Now I'm I'm a big fan of Manel Cop, and he has been looking better and better as as we get a little further into his career. Um, he's on a Three-fight win streak. Uh, David Dvoriak was his last win in uh, December. Um, he also has a win over Zalga Sumagulov, one over Ode Osborne. Um, back in the day, he had one over Kaya Sakura, too, in Ryzen. Yeah. He's got one over Takeya Mizugaki. You know, he's got a lot of good, credible wins. Um He's taken on Felipe Dos Santos, and I am not overly familiar with him. Um, just just from what I've scrambled to gather in the 15 minutes prior to, to us recording. But what I do know is that uh, Manel Cop is the real deal. So I'm going to take Manel Cop based on the fact that I know a lot about him, and I don't know much about Felipe Dos Santos. Oh, I am here to put my arm around you on your shoulder and say, sis. Don't worry. I will I will certainly comfort you with the fact that you are absolutely dead on because there's levels. Look at what we just got done talking about. There's levels of experience, right? Mm. You got Manel Cop fighting dudes all over, right? UFC caliber guys and rinsing them in the flyweight division, no less, right? Mm. Which one of the toughest, if not the toughest division to stay relevant in. And he's managing to do that. He made waves in Ryzen, right? He had mixed results, but he managed to make some serious impressions while he was out there. Dos Santos, I feel kind of bad for because now he's getting the come up. He's making his UFC debut, knocking around, beating up some dudes in the Brazilian scene. Again, Brazil, amazing. A lot of great athletes, a lot of great talents, a lot of extraordinary gems. But sometimes, man, you don't it's a it's a grab bag for some of these divisions, especially 125. It can be very, very much a uh I don't, I don't even want to say hit or miss, man. Sometimes you just you're just getting guys that are fighting other guys and you just create this. It's like NFTs, right? You have a bunch of dudes selling each other the same thing and now it accrues value, right? And that's that's kind of what's happening with some of these Brazilian talents. Yeah, they're getting some wins against guys that have all fought each other, but is it really quality wins that you're racking up? Is this going to prepare you on an experience level for what comes next? I don't see him being ready for this kind of matchup. 
I just don't. And that's just that's just the, the the quality of opposition and the strength of schedule. That shit swallows you whole sometimes. And I feel bad for this kid. So, yeah, yeah I'm going with Manel Cop all day. All right. Mookie is also going with Manel Cop and he's going with Justin Taffa, Tyson Pedro and Carlos Ulberg. Just mm-hmm. want to refresh that in case I missed any of those. We get to the co-main event. This is a good co-main event. Considering that this is a uh, a heavyweight fight and we already have another heavyweight fight on this main card, this is the better of the two. We get Alexander Volkov taking on Tai Tuivasa. What a fight. I, I like this fight a lot, actually. I think it's perfectly matched. Um I know Tai Tuivasa is coming on coming off a two-fight losing streak, but the, I mean he lost to Cyril Gaon and, and Sergei Pavlovich. You know? <laughs> and they were both uh, knockouts, too. Um, Sergei Pavlovich got him in 54 seconds. No shame in that. Cyril Gaon, it took all the way to the third round to get it. Yeah. Um, and then Alexander Volkov, let's take a look at what he's been doing. Oh, he's been doing a lot. He is on a two-fight win streak, but uh, those two fights were against Alexander Romanov, a guy that came in with a lot of hype, but when he started fighting better opposition, we see what happens. He got knocked out. Um, He knocked out Jarzinho Rosenstruck, too, who has been very hit or miss as well. He lost to Tom Aspinall. He beat Marcin Tibera, lost to Cyril Gaon. So we have that in common between the two of them. Um, Taitui Vasa, man, he can hit like a Mack truck, but boy, he makes a lot of errors in there. And a guy like Volkov is just the person to exploit any error that can be made because he is methodical. He is a chess player in there. And so I have to go with Volkov. I mean, he hasn't shown any indication that he's falling off whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a guy who's definitely, he's hit his prime. He's got a defined ceiling. But I don't think he's falling off yet. And that's the problem. Because you got a guy who's like finally become so much more well-rounded. He's not fighting the way he did in his Bellator days. He's got a lot more mass on his frame. You know, having that extra grown man meat on your bones is, my God, someone's going to isolate that audio. It's going to sound great. Uh, that's 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 been an asset for him to be more um, stable and, and much more, you know, able to sit down on his punches, not have to worry about being taken down because it's helped his takedown defense to a degree, depending on who he's against. Um and not even have to worry too much because, you know, he's, he's worked and, and done efficient um, maneuvering while off his back. He's got a very tricky guard. I don't think he's really searching too much for submissions these days, but, I mean, it helps. You know what I'm saying? It helps get guys in trouble. And Ty, love him to death, man. I think he's one of the most fun people to watch and one of the most exciting heavyweights there are out there when he's on it, but... I don't know how much more credit I'm really willing to give him. I mean, it was a shock to me that he beat Derek Lewis the way that he did um, to the degree that I thought that Derek was finally like, okay, this dude's definitely on the outs if he's losing like this um, because Ty just made it look that good and that easy. And he can be capable of those highlight real moments, but absent that context, 
he can be capable of being in some slides where he just gets outworked and out hustled and his cardio doesn't help him. And you got a guy like Volkov who doesn't play that shit. He'll be more than content to jab your face for five rounds or 10 rounds or 15 rounds. You know, look at the Greg Hardy fight, for example. He'll do that. You know, now he's also been able to put that power behind it like he did with uh, Roizenstrike or as he did against Romanov. Like two first round finishes right there. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. He's a little craftier than than some of these other guys. I think he's craftier on the feet than Romanov is or that Tabor is, but not by that much. He also and- likes to leave his hands down. I hate that about him, which is why he invites knockouts. His last two have been knockouts. Yeah. Actually, one. I think he might have gotten submitted in one. I have to go back and look at that. But the point is, is that he leaves his hand. Nope, they were both knockouts. Yeah. He, he leaves his hands down way too much. And that's a problem. He does. But that's, you know, I mean, I guess that's also aided by his mobility and like his use of range and all that. I mean, I, I maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's I, I can't get in his head and think of what that might be. But yeah, but if we go back to that Greg Hardy fight, remember, Greg Hardy had him wobble to fuck. You know, it was coming down to it if he hadn't recovered a, enough to swing that one time with his eyes fucking closed because remember we all went back and watched the, the that slow-mo replay about eight million times and when he came up and swung that hail mary his eyes were dead closed yeah i don't like it man <laughs> I don't either. So that I, I, I have to take. Oh, it's going to be. I know it's going to be so grim. It's like we're going to have like there's a there's a maybe a three percent chance that we got a sensational highlight real finish. Everything else, man, the ninety the other ninety seven percent, man, you don't want to see what that shit looked like. Right. But I'm and, going with Volkov. Yeah, and I am too. Mookie is as well. And one last thing on this fight, we have to remember. I know Volkov's been around for quite some time, but he's only 34. I know he's got 46 fights, but he's only 34. And he has fought smart literally his whole career. I know he has 10 10 losses, but he's he's got a vaunted career he really does and and he's looking sensational lately i think he is finally comfortable in that big man's body 34 i feel like i've wasted my life how the fuck is he 34 yeah god jesus christ here i am feeling good now you got a shit in my pudding god damn it seffy (laughs) all right we get to the main event and my goodness, Sean Strickland's got to be the luckiest man alive because he did not deserve this fight. He did not. And what's even funnier, Victor, is that Sean Strickland's last loss was, I believe, was it his last loss? Let me just be on the safe side. Yes, Sean Strickland's last loss came to Jared Cannonier. Okay, that that was literally in December. And Jared Cannonier is the backup fighter for this. this and ain't that That's about a goddamn bitch. And <laughs> Sean Strickland, my goodness. Based off of that, absolutely ham and egger Abus Magomedov fight. Oh my gosh, Th- this is how you are uh, catapulted in here. And the fact that Drik- Drikus Duplessis uh, had to pull out. 
you're so lucky. You're just so incredibly lucky. And I, I will give him some props, though, because I thought that the lead up to this fight was going to be a lot worse than it is. I did. I thought it was going to be just paved with the most horrendous shit. Now, he did go and do some, some cringeworthy stuff, but it is nowhere near the level of, let's say, uh, Habib and, and Connor. You know, no. it was nothing like that. Or Colby and Usman. Nothing like that. We, we didn't get anywhere near that. So I, I am grateful for that. But I feel like this is going to be a steamrolling. You know I what? Hope it is. <laughs> I mean, it probably it probably will be. Maybe that's why they they scheduled it to be so soon. Yeah. Like, look, let's just do this so we get the least amount of this fucking caveman <laughs> just coming out saying the most depraved and unhinged shit. He's still doing it, but yeah, he's talking about everything except the fight. You know what I mean? I see him. He's out here talking shit about Bradley Martin. He had that idiot Pearl Davis son on his podcast with mm-hmm. what's his face. I, you know, like fine, you know, it, it's not good, but at the same time, at least it's not veering into like, you know, making jokes about Shaka Zulu or whatever the hell, you know what I'm saying? Like the worst that he said is he can't wait to punch this Chinese dude in the mouth. Yeah. Kind of funny. I, I, you know, it's, it's given the context. Okay. That's funny. Cause no actual Chinese people are being made fun of or harmed in this, this whole experiment. So, Okay, I get it. Other than that, eesh, man, yeah, this ain't good, man. This this is going to seem to me more like, I, I don't think this is going to look entirely different from the Paulo Costa fight. You know, I, I think it's going to look a little more like that. Like, okay, now you ran out of weapons. What are you going to do? And you're going to have some deer in the headlight moment and Adesanya takes over. I just hope that when Adesanya wins, we see Sean fade a little bit into the background and collect himself. I also hope that we see less of him being aggressively rude in the sake of comedy towards the female reporters that frequently interview him and allow that kind of behavior. It's not, I, it's I not just, comedy that's that bad. I mean, that's the thing. Huh? That's where people are like, oh, he's just trolling. No, he's genuinely that bad and that dumb. Sorry. And it's also a bad look. I mean, it's horrible. And for the people out there that are on the beat, your your Farah Hanuns and, and people like that that are out there providing real coverage, that makes it harder for them when they interview him. You have to consider what you're setting up for those that follow you. And, and you know, the, the amount of, at this point, the shtick is, I can't imagine that it's yielding the same kind of benefits. The shock is not, this is not novel anymore. You know, like, at, at what point does this shit wear thin to the point where it ceases to be worth it for you to sit here and entertain this man and his bullshit? There's no need, man. I just, I'm, I'm just tired of this, man. I really do need to either, I, I can't, I can't tell this guy what to think or how to think. Yeah, but I would like for him to at least just, just good God, I can't even tell him to read a book. He's probably going to read something by like Dinesh D'Souza or something really stupid. But just like, dude, just stop. Can you can you stop trying being so cringe? Can we stop putting this many microphones in this man's face and asking him the most uh, asinine questions? Because we really don't need this anymore. 
Exactly. Now, Mookie is also taking Israel Adesanya, so it looks like we are 100% in alignment, so nothing will change. Now, I do have the stats because we were making our picks in private for last week, and uh, we picked... <laughs> Mookie went 2-0. He picked, We only picked two fights because, you know, last week's card was terrible on paper. Uh, he picked Gon and Fior, but Victor and I went the other way. We went one and one because we decided we were going to pick Sergey Spivak <laughs> to our detriment. So we went one and one last week. The standings right now, Mookie is in the lead, 80, 58, and 1. Victor is right behind him, 76, 62, and 1. And I am behind Victor, 71, 67, and 1. So that's our picks for UFC 293, our review of UFC Paris, our standings. For those of you that are Substack subscribers, please stick around. We will be right back with some headlines, and we're going to discuss just how far is too far when you're hyping a fight. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us. <laughs>